Thanks, Dan. Hi, church. Three things I know about the North Bay community. One, you guys know how to welcome people really well. It's been lovely to be here this morning with you. Two, um, you know how to worship. <laughs> it's been awesome to hear your voices. And three, you guys know how to invest in the younger generations. And I love seeing that. It's so important. Um, this young man up here, right here, carried my guitar at goat camp up this very, very steep hill. <laughs> He's like, I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, but he was a gentleman, and it was wonderful. Um, if you've ever been to go camp and you've walked the hill or you've been to Camp Furwood, you know what I'm talking about. It's a hill. So um, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, just a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in Skagit County. Um, I am the daughter of church planters. We ch uh, planted a couple churches in Washington State but landed in Skagit. Um, I have been a part of CTK for seven years now. Um, I was on staff at the downtown campus in downtown Bellingham for six of those years. Um, and I have just recently, as Dan mentioned, become the network prayer pastor, um, which is very exciting. And I think just a, a nod to where God is leading his church in the future. Um, a prayer is so important. And oftentimes it can get kind of relegated to the back room. Um, and my job is to have that not happen. <laughs> um, so very, very exciting. Um, I am a gardener. I call myself a lazy gardener. Anybody like to garden? Anybody a lazy gardener? Yep, good company. Um, I love my family and friends. And if I could live in the UK, um, at least three months out of the year, I would. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, again, I am the Network Prayer Pastor, and it is so exciting to be teaching today in this series on prayer. Um, it's actually become a theme um, in the network. Uh, prayer series have been happening at every campus, or one or another. It's been so exciting um, to see that just kind of naturally happen. So um, a lot of people have been asking me, what do you do as the prayer pastor? And um, I say, no, I don't sit in my office all day and pray which you guys are <laughs> tough crowd. I, I don't do that. <laughs> that sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? And I, I have nothing against that at all. But my job is to build on and create a culture of prayer within all six CTK campuses. So the prayers that you guys have been praying and the work that is still yet to be done, I get to join forces with you and do that with you. So very, very exciting. Um, as you might imagine, I'm very passionate about prayer, but I'm even more passionate about God. Prayer is just the access point that we have to him. So today we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. So if you brought your Bibles, you can get those out. We're not going to get there quite yet. I'm going to get there in just a minute, but you can get to Isaiah chapter 6. And this book is becoming quickly one of my favorite books of the Bible. It is chock full of very exciting things. But I'm just going to share a few thoughts, a few observations that I've had on prayer in this section of scripture that we'll get to. But before we go there, I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, I know you are in this place. 
I know that you are already at work in your people. You inhabit our praises, God. You fill us up. You have filled us with your spirit. So Lord, would you, would you come and have your way? Would this not be about what I have to say or what I think or believe, what my experience has been, God, but would you use me today to speak to your people? Would you get through my, my words, Lord, and speak directly? That is my heart. Lord, we are expectant. As Chris said, we are expectant. We come before you, God. We look for you today, and we thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. So have you ever received a text message or maybe a voicemail that you never responded to? <laughs> or maybe you took days to respond. True Confessions, have you ever deleted a voicemail or a text message that you never responded to? Yes. That is good. We're still in good company, <laughs> Dan says. Dan says, I'm sorry. We'll get that out of the way. <laughs> it totally happens, right? And note that I did not even mention email because nobody responds to email. That's just a thing of the past these days. But most of the time, what gets sent just kind of gets lost in the shuffle of life. We get busy. We get distracted. And we maybe deem it as unimportant. We forget. We're scrolling through text messages later, and we realize we never got back to that person. Sometimes we don't know how to respond, though, right? Sometimes we're a little bit scared of what that message might mean, so we ignore it. We kind of hope it goes away. Time passes. You see the person that sent the message, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't get back to you. Things get a little bit awkward. You try to move on. I've done it. It's been done to me. It's okay. We're all in good company here. But sometimes the messages that get sent aren't received. And sometimes they are because they're significant, because they're important. This is the theme of today's sermon because sometimes we hear and respond to what God has for us, who we can only assume relays important messages and sometimes we just don't. So we're going to dive into a passage that might be really familiar to some of you, where God clearly delivers a message to the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah has a choice to respond to the message, to ignore it, or just refuse it entirely. And we're going to turn to Isaiah 6 here in a minute, but first, who is Isaiah? Isaiah was a prophet to Israel between 739 and 681 B.C. His name means Yahweh is salvation, which I think is just beautiful, and it was very significant. In case you're wondering, a prophet is someone who speaks on God's behalf, having been inspired by God. So a prophet is a spokesperson for God. They spoke in God's name and by his authority— so simply put, prophets relayed messages from God to a person or to a group of people. A few examples, 
in the Bible. The Bible is full of prophets that God uh, shared messages with. Samuel called the people and the kings of Israel back to humility. Elijah tried to call the Israelites back from worshiping false gods and idols to worshiping the one true God. Jonah had a message of warning for the Ninevites. Anna and John the Baptist spoke of Jesus as the coming Messiah. And of course, Jesus himself, a prophet unlike anybody else, whose words must be heard, believed, and obeyed if you want to be saved. Especially in the Old Testament, a prophet had the role of holding people accountable to the God of Israel. The book of Isaiah is filled with truly sobering accounts of Isaiah's sin, Israel's sin, rebellion, and Isaiah's messages and warning of coming judgment. But there is also a lot of hope that Jesus, the Messiah, would come and he would establish God's kingdom on earth. For generations, Isaiah's words encouraged thousands of people who waited in anticipation for the Messiah and for God to set right all that had been wronged. So I'm going to just pause here for a minute. I say all of that, you guys, just to give you a little bit of context because it's super important before we jump into Scripture <laughs> and just kind of go, okay, here's the Scripture. But I just want to give you kind of a picture of what we're coming into in Isaiah 6. So with all of this in mind, Isaiah is a prophet to Israel. He's receiving and sharing God's messages. And it's here that Isaiah gets a very special commission from God. It's a prophetic vision with a message to share with the people of Israel, again, bringing warning as well as hope. And today, we are going to narrow in on what happens just right before Isaiah shares the message. Isaiah sees God in all of his glory. This prophet who was greatly used by God has this encounter with the Lord that makes him ready and prepared to do God's will. So think maybe burning bush and Moses kind of scenario. This is a holy ground, awe, wonder, encounter with the Holy of Holies. So chapter 6, verse 1, let's read. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So pause for another second here, and we're going to review this section, because the symbolism and the power in this vision is really, truly incredible. First, it's important to note that King Uzziah is mentioned because he started out as a great king. He was listening, and he was obeying God. But things went downhill pretty fast when he stopped listening. So Isaiah is given this vision by God because Israel had stopped listening. More on that later. Isaiah sees a God so holy 
that his train, just like a bride on her wedding day, fills the entire room. Can you imagine what that would look like? It's beautiful. That's a big train. <laughs> and God is being attended to, and he's being adorned, and it meant I am important enough that I don't have to work. I'm a person of honor and dignity. Others serve me and wait on me. Then Isaiah sees the seraphim, which means burning ones. So think really powerful angels that appeared to Isaiah on fire. <laughs> they're on fire, but they're also not consumed by the fire. Just use your imagination for a minute and wonder what that must have looked like for him. And they're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Saying holy three times was a reference to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in Hebrew literature, intensity is marked with repetition. So this is an all-caps, epically holy God, and Isaiah knows it. They were worshiping so powerfully that the doorposts and the thresholds were shaking. Can you imagine what would happen in this room if that, if that took place? If we worship so powerfully that the room started to shake. <laughs> it's a little bit scary to think of, but man, I would love to experience that one day. I think we, I think we get to. I think we get to. Let's move on. Isaiah does what we would all likely do in response to this scenario to this vision what he's seeing he goes on to say woe to me i cried i am ruined for i am a man of unclean lips and i live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the lord almighty then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar and with it he touched my mouth and says see this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Such a beautiful piece of scripture, isn't it? And so often we focus kind of on that last part, which we're going to get to But today, I want to kind of talk through a few different things. In this moment, Isaiah is very, very aware that he is sinful, and the people that he serves are sinful too. And he has his sin removed by this burning coal. It's beautiful. It's a coal so hot that even a burning angel could not touch it. This is a moment of redemption and forgiveness for Isaiah. It is an encounter with the living God and the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, knowing Isaiah's heart and his response to God's holiness. They ask if Isaiah is willing to be sent and do what is needed. Isaiah quickly and enthusiastically responds, Here am I. Send me. So I know it's really easy to read a story like this and think, Wow, Isaiah must have really been something. <laughs> Or, cool story, what's the point? Why aren't we talking about prayer today? 
I'm not sure there's a prayer. Did anybody wonder that? Where's the prayer in here? My job today is to encourage you in your communion and your connection with the Lord. And I want to give you a couple tools for your tool belt and your prayer practice. Maybe today you're going to hear something that you maybe never even considered to be prayer. So based on what we just read, I want to reflect on three observations, three highlights I found to be very, very helpful and powerful from this conversation between God and Isaiah, this interaction that they have. These are three ways that I see Isaiah and God interact. The first one, and I think we have a slide for this, is Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him. So often, I think, when we, when we think of prayer, when we go to God in prayer, we think it's pretty much a um, way to just take our needs, our requests, our, our, our wants to God, and essentially we hand them over and we kind of go on our day. So prayer becomes all about asking God for things, which is important and good, and he wants us to do that. But just imagine if this happened in your earthly relationships. So say I meet a friend for coffee, and I walk in, and I sit down across from them, and I just launch into all of the things that I need them to do for me. I say, thank you, I get up, and then I just leave. <laughs> We totally do this with God. I have totally done this with God. I show up, I just go, here's what I need, and then peace out. It's a really good thing our God is patient. <laughs> but what if, what if the invitation to prayer is to let him talk first? To let him have the first word? We often think it's up to us to take the first steps towards God. But what if God is always the one to take the first steps towards us? What if he is just waiting for us to stop, to listen, to commune, and simply be with him? So I, Isaiah had to first be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message. And we see this in a few short words when he says, I saw the Lord. He had to be aware. He, he was paying attention. His spirit was oriented towards God and what he was doing. We don't really know what time of the day Isaiah received this vision. We don't know what was going on exactly in his life, but we know that he was not distracted. So it's kind of like those text messages and those voicemails that we get, right? Sometimes we're just preoccupied. Sometimes we're just busy, caught up in our daily to-dos and our circumstances. But what if God wants to give you messages and visions like he gave to Isaiah and we're just too distracted to see them or hear them? I know this has so often been the case in my life. Um, a number of years ago, Right before COVID, um, 2019, I worked. I, you could you could easily call me a workaholic. Um, I was working multiple jobs, starting two new businesses. 
I was running at a pace that my closest friends and family were just saying, you're going to crash. You're going to burn. <laughs> this, is, this isn't going to go well. This isn't going to end well. And I ended up going on a month-long sabbatical, just a full stop. And God showed me so much in that time about the way that I was just kind of frantically living my life at this pace where I couldn't hear from God. I was too exhausted. I was too busy. I was just trying to kind of do the basics. And the Lord slowed me way down. And he eliminated hurry in such a way that I started implementing a Sabbath every week. And finding margin. And it's taken I'm still working on it, friends. <laughs> I'm still working on what it means to slow down and have a slowed down life. Maybe not my schedule. There's busy weeks. There's things that we have to do. But what does it mean to actually be a non-anxious presence? To actually be attentive to the things that are going on around me? Not just what God is saying, but what are other people relaying and sending that they're not saying? that I need to be in tune with. So I have a lot of history with this, being distracted, being busy, getting caught up in things, and just missing what God has for me. One of the ways that the Lord has really encouraged me recently is to just pay attention throughout my day. So when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm getting ready in the morning, when I'm going to pick my nephews up for um, a movie, just normal, everyday life stuff. Because he wants to communicate with me, not just in my designated prayer time early in the morning, whenever I have a moment to spare. You know, I can easily miss the opportunity to acknowledge his presence by simply saying hi wherever I am. And God still uses prophets like Isaiah, but he doesn't have to. What Jesus did on the cross created access to the Father. Access that we can relay messages and he can communicate directly to us. It's incredible. This is prayer. <laughs> Through the person of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in us, we have open lines of communication every day, every moment. Just like a parent or a spouse or a good friend, God wants to have everyday two-way conversations with us. In prayer, a great place to start is to just simply acknowledge God's presence with you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Just take a minute and go, okay, God, I know you're here. You're with us. You're with me. And we also need to get quiet enough to listen, to learn the sound of his voice, to let him steer the conversation. John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus is saying that the sheep, that's us, <laughs> we learn the sound of the shepherd's voice so they, we know where to go. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to, to help us throughout our days. But in order for us to hear him, we need to actually be quiet. It's very, very hard to hear. I'm sure you could experience this or have experienced this in your life. It's hard to hear when we're talking. 
Pete Gregg, the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement in the UK, he says, the best way to start praying, therefore, is actually to stop praying, <laughs> to pause, to be still, to put down your prayer list, surrender your personal agenda, to stop talking at God long enough to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So rather than using prayer as a one-way communication, what if we stopped and we took a moment just to listen first? What might he want to share with you? What might he want to say? The creator of heaven and earth, he wants to talk to you. And the question is, are you paying attention? My hope and prayer today is that you all leave knowing that God wants to speak to you, that he loves you, that he's for you, that he likes to be around you. He has things for you to do, to say, and to hear. And he longs to communicate every day. The question to think about is, what might change in your life if this happened? What might happen in the relationships around you? What might happen in your life in a day-to-day -day basis? What might happen in your relationship with God? Even Jesus had to rely on this everyday conversation. In John 5, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So Jesus only did what he saw his Father doing. So he had to stay really, really close. Jesus' ministry was done from this place of intimacy and connection with the Father. It's why he would so often, something amazing and miraculous would happen, and then Jesus would leave. He would go be alone with God. He was paying attention. He was responding to what God was already doing. From the pages of Genesis to Revelation, God is speaking. And if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I think we can rest assured that he still wants to speak to us today. And he speaks, my friends, in a myriad of ways, and I wish we had time to get into it. <laughs> you may not hear an audible voice, but maybe you will. God speaks through scripture, nature, impressions, other people, so many wonderful things that he created for this communication to take place. My personal favorite is when he just kind of gives me a sense of peace. So wonderful. This is what God longs for. For us to get to a place where we can acknowledge his presence at any time of the day and simply be. Just positioning ourselves in a place where he can share what's on his heart, what's on his mind, what are his thoughts before we ever even say a word. I think that's just a beautiful invitation from God. It takes kind of the stress out, right? <laughs> so the first observation, and I promise you the last two are quick. The first observation is that Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him 
And this is his invitation for us today. Secondly, we see that Isaiah reacts in a very human way. <laughs> he is very aware of his sin. And much the same, I think we would all react in that moment. Isaiah is, says, he's, woe to me. I am ruined. I am destroyed. I cannot be in the presence of this God. Isaiah is filled with sorrow. He's filled with despair. He's aware of his sin, thinking he's just going to be taken away, <laughs> that this isn't going to go well for him. He's in the, power, in the presence of just incredible power and glory. And I know I just said that God wants everyday relationships with us, and this does not seem like an everyday <laughs> uh, conversation with God, right? He's seeing burning angels, God seated on the throne, the doorposts are shaking, and you're thinking, ah, that doesn't really happen in my everyday <laughs> conversation. If it does, I would love to know. <laughs> but that's not very typical, right, for us. But there is something in this story that I just love, because Isaiah, again, this great prophet, he is very, very aware of his humanity. He is aware also of God's holiness in light of that. And I think it's here that we see ourselves. I think one of the main reasons why praying and just getting closer to God in general can be so hard for us is that we just feel inadequate. We feel like we shouldn't be around him. If he really knew, I don't know what he would say. I don't know what he would do. So we keep our sin hidden and tucked away, and we think, if I just can, like, keep it there, then maybe I'll be safe. But the truth is, family, is that he already knows. <laughs> he already knows everything about you. And he calls you beloved. He calls you redeemed. And he wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. He wants to take all of those things and turn them around. This is the heart of our good dad, our good and loving God. He removes sin from our lives so that we can become more like him, so we can live in accordance with God's will and his character, so we can enjoy the goodness and fruit of a life lived close to him. And when we align ourselves with God, when we let him get close, he takes the sin and he says, I can turn that around. I died for this. This is what I do. <laughs> this is the business that I'm in. So don't hide from me. Bring it to me. Be honest. Share it with me. Let's have a conversation. I know it's easy to disqualify ourselves from prayer and let shame rule. And we don't know exactly what Isaiah's sin was, but he uses the term unclean lips. And I kind of wonder if he was gossiping, maybe he was slandering, maybe he was lying. We don't know. While we certainly do these things with others, I think we can just easily do them to ourselves. I think we take ourselves out of the running because we feel unworthy. And in my experience, I think we're most critical of ourselves. 
So let's look at how quickly and beautifully God responds to Isaiah's confession. It's not a lengthy, you should have, I wish you would have, I hope this is the last time. Isaiah, the Lord's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love response is, it's done. It's forgiven. Your guilt is removed. Your sin is atoned for. And Isaiah quickly follows, the Lord quickly follows it up with who's in. Who can I send? And Isaiah says, pick me. (laughs) I'll go. I'll do that. And this brings us to the third observation, that Isaiah does not know what he is saying yes to before he answers God. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but most of my here am I, send me's come with a little bit of a caveat here am I, send me, if this is how things are done and I have control over the outcome. Here am I, send me, and there's a time limit, God. I only have so much time. Here am I, send me, but not there. Please, God, not there. I do not want to do that. I don't think I have what it takes. Anybody relate? My question today, and actually we can have the worship team come up. My question today is for us, I wonder, what might the Lord be calling you to today? What might he want to relay to you? What message does he want to give to you today? Maybe he does want to give you a picture, an image of something that will be encouraging to your heart. God is calling all of us to something. There is always an invitation before us. And I think we see in Isaiah's experience and his encounter with God here that there's many ways that we can kind of find ourselves today. Whether we are just so distracted and so busy that we're not taking time to just stop and listen and be present with God. Or maybe you're letting that shame or that hidden sin or something that's going on in your life that's letting you just kind of say, like, God, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, can, if I can actually be in your presence. I'm not good enough. And the other way I think that we can relate to Isaiah's encounter here is that we want to be willing. We want to say, yes, God, I'll go. I'll do whatever it is you're asking me to do. And again, Isaiah did not know what he was saying yes to. And actually, the thing that God invites Isaiah into is very difficult. If you read on in the story, you'll see it was not an easy task. And yet, in this encounter that Isaiah has it actually prepares him for the thing that God has for him to do. And so I think there's kind of a process here, right? There's a step, there's these steps that we take with the Lord where we get a little bit closer. And we say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be present. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to bring these things to you. And I'm going to be willing. I don't know what you're asking me to do, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> So why don't we stand, family, and we are going to just have a time of response. I know it's late. I'm a guest speaker, so (laughs) 
Um, I don't know how you guys normally do things, but if, if you, I know with kids' ministry and everything, if you do have kids downstairs, it might be good to go grab them sooner than later just so we can relieve the kids' ministry folks. Um, but if God is impressing something on your heart, maybe there's something physical happening in your body. You know, one time I thought, um, you know, these reactions that we have sometimes when we get, when we encounter God, kind of like Isaiah, you know, God is super powerful and he's full of glory and he's beyond our imagination, really. And it's like sticking your finger in a light socket. Something's going to happen. <laughs> if you get close to God and you allow him in, you might feel something. And I think he created our bodies to actually physically respond to him. We have two feet. <laughs> we have two hands. We have two ears. We have ways to actually move our bodies towards him physically. We have ways to be in tune to him. So I'm going to ask you to do something really bold today. If you are, are sensing that there's maybe something that the Lord is saying to you, it could be kind of unrelated to what I even talked about. I don't know. But if there's something that God is, is putting on your heart, is impressing to you, is revealing to you, is showing you, I'm going to ask you to just be brave and kind of walk up to the front here and just in a posture of humility and willingness and saying, yes, just open up your hands. It's a very simple, ancient practice that we do in church. <laughs> we say, yes, God, I am willing. I don't know what you're asking. But I want what you have. More than I want what I think I need or want. So I just invite you to come right now. We do have prayer folks that if you're on a prayer team, you can come up. But if you need to respond yourselves, just respond. It's okay. You don't need to be on today. You can receive. Because prayer is wonderful, you guys. <laughs> it's in my job title. <laughs> but sometimes we don't actually need other people. We just need to be with God. We just need to stand before him and say, I'm here. And he will do the work. It's a beautiful thing that we have family, we have community, we have church. <laughs> and that we actually love each other through prayer. But, you know, God doesn't necessarily need us. And it's so freeing <laughs> that he can actually do the work on his own. His spirit is here. He's moving. One of the things that I felt strongly this morning and I was driving in I felt like there was someone or maybe multiple people today that feel like God has never answered one of my prayers and if it's maybe a specific prayer that you've been asking for years and you are just in a place of cynicism you're just so tired of asking of beating down the door, saying, God, why won't you answer this prayer? And I want to invite, if that's you, I know it's it's courageous. Either it's up here or it's just in your seat. If you, I feel like the Lord just wants to particularly encounter you today. 
and show you that he's real and that he's listening and that he cares for you, that he has not forgotten you, that he has heard every single prayer that you have prayed. He has seen every tear that you have cried in agony, in desperation. If that's you, I just ask you, be brave. <laughs> Put those hands out or make some kind of symbol or yes to God that you, you want to encounter him today. You don't want to settle for just living in that place of cynicism and doubt and hopelessness. So Lord, would you meet us here? Would your spirit infuse our spirits, God, that we would know your nearness. We would know that you are not a distant God. You do not forget your people. You do not forget your kids. That you are here with us right now and you want to minister. You want to touch everyone who is longing for a touch from you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you to move. We invite you to speak. We invite you to reign above everything that's going on in this room. Every situation, every feeling. God, we thank you and we love you. Amen. We're going to just end in a song and just encourage you to just keep being in this place of receptivity. Um, and it's been wonderful to be with you.